Might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I'm here with my co-host. First, the man who stole Chopper's ambulatory strut, it's... Hey, it's Drew. How are you doing, Brandon? I am good. It's good to have you back with us out here in hyperspace as nice we to be uh, home. travel. And, and we've got our third co-host... Uh, we finally have the band back together. This is the man who is best known for wrestling a jupa. It's oh, I'm sorry, it's Devor, and I have no idea what a jupa is. <laughs> you can't say that, Brandon. It's 2023. Did you guys even watch what we're talking about? The little, the big monster that Rex and his friends are are going after. Oh, yeah, in oh the gosh. Jaws episode. Okay. Oh, uh, so yeah, you got yes. the ambulatory strut joke, but you didn't get the jupe. I'm really disappointed. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> really disappointed. I'm uh, still recovering, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so on this episode, guys, we are going to be continuing our journey to the Ahsoka series by looking at Rebel Season 2 and discussing uh, what from the season will play a role in the new show. So we're excited to continue on that journey. But before that, we have to talk about the Ahsoka series itself because Mm. in honor of us getting the band back together, they decided to release a trailer, (laughs) which was just so kind of them. Thank you, Lucasville. The check is on the way. And so Drew, I want to start with you and just talk about your thoughts on the trailer. How many times have you watched it? How has it altered your feelings about Ahsoka going forward? Just what do you got? Um, I've now watched it two or three times because I the, I watched it initially when it was first released and I didn't have the most positive of reactions to it. I was um, very neutral, um, almost unenthused about it. But I watched it again earlier and it started to pick up a little better. Um, I think it's something I need to do a, make a point of remembering is not to let the first experience for new content like that be on my phone (laughs) um because i watched it on a larger screen than just what care what can fit in my pocket and with an actual sound system behind it and i could actually enjoy what was happening now there's still parts of it that are not my favorite thing in the world it still feels like we're filming the shows in the volume and it all reminded me like all of the set pieces reminded me a lot of the one part of Obi-Wan Kenobi where it's the flashback to Obi-Wan and Anakin training and mm. like doing a little sparring match and you know that room that they're in how it's very it's flat and circular and there's just like windows every single set feels just like that like perfect like perfectly flat perfectly cylindrical without any kind of interaction between the outside world and the characters on screen like it feels very uh very mechanical and flat. So I was kind of uh, put off by that, especially I'm trying to think of the exact sequence of the trailer, but towards the end where, you know, Ahsoka, it looks like she's running down a set of steps away from something, a spaceship that's trying yeah. to blow her up. It feels very disconnected. Like she's clearly in a room by herself and somebody's like, okay, now run and act like somebody's shooting you from behind. She's like, I don't know how to act like that. Like that doesn't happen on a day to day basis. So it felt very like, uh, the, the same kind of like static and stale um, feeling that the Obi Wan show had, kind of in general. When I when I look back on that, now having said all that, it does certainly give us. There's certainly a lot that it's trying to set up, and I think that what was more interesting were all the characters who weren't named Ahsoka, which is kind of weird. Because one of the things oh, we'll talk about when we get into Rebels was the impact that Ahsoka has as a character when she kind of jumps into that show and makes such a big impact where she starts to diminish the value of the other characters. But here in a show that bears her own name, she's not even the most interesting thing in the trailer. So I'm hopefully that's just like a trailer issue and not a show issue. Uh, We will won't know that until I suppose August plus what is it? Eight weeks of episodes or something? 10 weeks. Um, I'm not sure how long this one's going to last. It'll be definitive. 
It'll be through, I think, I think October 4th. Well, there's two episodes coming out on the 23rd, and there's going to be eight episodes total. So you've got seven weeks, I guess, uh, okay. of, of content coming out. Uh, that's, I mean, if they don't do a two, se- you know, two episode finale, there's no, I don't think there's an official announcement yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do it with two episodes at August 23rd, it goes weekly to October 4th. I'm very interested to see what the dark side users of this show are up to. Uh, that's something we don't really see a lot of in the post return of the Jedi era. We have Snoke and we know that Palpatine is kind of out there regaining composure on Exegol and the Sith cults are kind of out there doing their own thing, but we don't see a lot of honest to goodness, you know, dark side users out and about being so brazen about their their activity and whatnot. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what they've been up to and the role that they're going to play in the resurrection of the Empire. Well, and I think interesting it's interesting to too to consider the fact that like. In Mandalorian, we don't spend a lot of time with the bad guys. We get enough of Gideon to know, oh, okay, he's working on something over here. But we don't know. We don't spend a lot of time with him. We don't know his motivations. We don't see how mm-hmm. he gets from point A to point B. Like, it's a lot of us filling in the blanks, which is fine. Like, it adds mystery and gravitas to that character. Right. But this, it feels like we're going to be very there with the character. Like, we're going to have the A-plot you know, with Ahsoka and Sabine, you know, Harold be sprinkled in there, Zeb, all of the, the Rebels crew. And then we're all going to have the, the A2 plot, which is going to be the baddies, <laughs> uh, which I'm excited about. I actually found out um, today, listening to uh, another show, that uh, the the characters, Balin Skull and Shin Hati, are actually from, they have connections to North myth- mythology. Have you guys heard of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, the names... Yeah, I so I'm, I think it's some kind of wolf characters that it's a wolf something character. So this is Den of Geek had this on, on their site. This is directly from them. It says Skull and Hati reference two very specific wolves from Norse mythology. Since the beginning of time, these monstrous wolves have chased the sun and moon across the sky, relentlessly pursuing them day and night. When they eventually catch them, it is said they will plunge the world into darkness and start the events of Ragnarok, the end of the Norse gods. So this <laughs> just has me thinking, like visually, of the these. Nose. Yeah, but these wolves like chasing around in a circle is very like wolves in a door where I'm like, mm-hmm. are they pointing? Another, is this another thing pointing to the world between worlds? Like, are these characters, if they're bringing, in, you know, the events of Ragnarok, which is the end of the gods, is, are they going to be the characters that kind of end the world between worlds? Uh, because I know Filoni wants to be, and we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but Filoni wants to be very careful with world between worlds and make sure it doesn't become this easy out, you know, time travel, uh, plot, uh, out, yeah. if you will, you know? Yeah. So Devor, what did you think about, about the trailer? Yeah. So I've seen it probably about the same number of times, maybe three, four times. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I think the, the two things that we got in there that most kind of interest me are one is that we've already talked about that Drew was brought up, which is these, these dark side, not Jedi force users and kind of what their deal is and why they're so interested in, you know, bringing back Thrawn and all of that. I'm really interested in that element. I'm interested in particular, like Balin's past because you get that, there's that little, you know, that little bit in the trailer where you confront Ahsoka and he says, Anakin spoke highly of you. And like when that line dropped, I was like, okay, what's this guy's deal? Like I really wanted to know at that point. So that element, and then also the the teased Ahsoka Sabine relationship that we get there a little bit, because you know Brandon, you and I sort of talked a little bit about in the last episode about the kind of like the different relationships among the Ghost crew with each other, and the Ahsoka Sabine one is one that doesn't really exist until the very last scene of Rebels. Like prior to that, you don't really see them interact in any kind of meaningful way. But, you know, what we got in this trailer does sort of hint at, like, there is this kind of apprentice-like relationship and sort of, like, what's going on there, I think, is is really interesting and something that I want to see explored. Interestingly, and this also gets to something, it gets into a theme that Drew was talking about, about, like, trailer issues versus show issues and, like, to what extent one is the other. Like, if you compare this second trailer to the first one... The second trailer is a lot more inside baseball. 
i.e., mm. if you do not have the background context of Rebels, I don't know that there's a whole lot for you to sink your teeth into. And so, like, that has been one of my worries going into Ahsoka is, like, is its appeal to a general audience? Like, I know we're all excited having watched Rebels and Clone Wars and all of that. But there is part of me that worries, like, if you don't have any of that, will the show be able to do enough in the context of just, again, a fairly short runway of eight episodes to get you to understand these characters and their relationships and their history so that, you know, whatever emotional beats they hit matter to us, but then also matter to your more general viewer. So that's my only little, like, you know, like, not critique of the trailer, but just a little, like, oh, like, I am hoping, I'm optimistic that they're going to figure it out, but I'm also a little worried. Hmm. Yeah, the Sabine Ahsoka stuff is the stuff that really got to me. It's the stuff I'm really excited about for uh, the series because there's definitely a dynamic there. Like right, like you said, Devor, we didn't get in Rebels, but even based on what we had of just that last end moment, we kind of assumed it was all linear, and that was like the first time Ahsoka and Sabine had seen each other uh, since you know the events of uh, the Rebels series and her being left on Malachor and all of those things. But here, it the way it lines up, it seems that they had reestablished a relationship before and had done some kind of training and then Ahsoka left, and then that scene we see at the end of Rebels Season 4 is them reuniting for what we're going to see in the Ahsoka series. So I'm really intrigued to see how that timeline all lines up and how they're going to present that, because I think that could be the key to getting everybody to have the emotional beats that they need to to make it work. You know, is some flashback scenes with Sabine mm-hmm. and Ahsoka that to us, like, as big time Star Wars fans, big time Rebels fans are are going to get even more out of that, but it's going to provide the general audiences with what they need. And it, and I think also to some extent, this is one project where they're not super worried, in my opinion, about pleasing all of the audiences. And what I mean by that is, Andor was not out there trying to get everybody to watch the show. It was trying to make a, a an Emmy award-winning television show that explored the darker, deeper, more realistic raw side of Star Wars. I I think they wanted to get viewers obviously. They want to get people to their service and create content, but I don't think that was their that was their main goal as it is with a Mandalorian or an Obi-Wan or even a book of Boba Fett. Uh, and you know, the levels of success for each of those varies, but for Ahsoka, I think this is one where they're saying like, this is a story that needs to be told to set up what we're setting up. People can come back and revisit this if they want more. They can go back and check out Rebels, but we're going to tell this story because it's a, pardon the pun, a fulcrum for this larger story that we yeah. are telling. And so people will watch it uh, when they want to watch it. So I don't, know, I don't know if they're really counting numbers as much from the get-go, or they're more putting it out there so they can kind of make it up on the back end. Kind of like Clone Wars. Like, Clone Wars got a second life on Netflix. Like it was popular, it kind of went away and then it's back on Netflix and you get people like me watching it for the first time and there's a whole new set of Clone Wars fans. And I think that's kind of the long game we'll end up getting with a series like Ahsoka. Also, I saw somebody theorize that uh Thrawn how in the in the books would have the Yasal Amari, which kind of created the Force bubble where Force powers couldn't get to him. And they said that there's a possibility that could translate that into being a leveler for the show. Oh, I was like, that's going to be all rough. (laughs) Yeah, no, let's not. Let's please not. (laughs) It's already riding the line for me. Like, I don't like the Salamari. I'm not a fan of something being outside of the force. I like the leveler. Spoiler alert for High Republic. Uh, But I like the leveler's affecting the force and messing with people's perception of it, I think fits better. And I don't think there's any need to bring them in here. Yep. Just too far away. Whatever's out there. No, I'm kind of with you on that. It'd be a little bit silly. So, um, and also I just want to say we got some Anakin name drops multiple times in the trailer. So I don't think you throw that in there if you're not getting 
Forest Ghosts Anakin at some point. But oh, we will really, get into that. Think? Oh, yes. And we're going to get into that. So I'm going to save it. We're going to take oh, a quick okay. break. And when we come back, we are going to delve into Rebels Season 2. War is inevitable. One must destroy in order to create. We are no Jedi. I started hearing whispers of Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. What happens when we find Thrawn? Power, such as you've never dreamed. I've spent most of my life fighting a war. That's why I'm trying to convince you to help me prevent another one. You and I both know who could help you with this. She's still just as stubborn as ever. I bet your master found you difficult at times. Anakin never got to finish my training. I walked away from him, just like I walked away from Sabine. You never made things easy for me. Master. As a Jedi, sometimes you have to make the decision no one else can. But I'm counting on you to see this through. Nice haircut. Sometimes we have to do what's right, regardless of our personal feelings. Buckle up. If we don't stop Thrawn, everything will be in vain. You have no power. Anakin spoke highly of you. I'm not here to discuss my past. We have a lot of work to do. Once a rebel, always a rebel. Well, now that we have talked about Ahsoka, it is time to talk about Rebels in order to talk about Ahsoka. So if you didn't join us back on our season one look back, the way that this is going to work is that each of us is going to present three things from Rebels season two. They can be big or small in no particular order. It's not a ranking, but three things that we think will play a role in the upcoming Ahsoka series. So there's really no rules to this, which is a scary thing to say with Drew on the podcast. Um, oh, come on now. There are no rules other than the rules that we make for ourselves, I should say. So with that in mind, uh, Drew, did you set any rules or parameters for yourself with regards to what you were going to include in your particular list of three things? Uh, no, not an ounce. Um, I, I just try to kind of do my best of go back and, and, and revisit season two as much as possible, which was not as much as uh, I probably would have liked to really um, in, in preparation, just to kind of catch back up on what happens and, and see if there's anything that we can kind of glean from that. And, and uh, I don't know how much season two specifically would be applicable directly into the new show that's coming out, but we'll give it a shot. All right. Devor, what about you? Did you have any rules or parameters you set for yourself? Yeah, not really. Not anything different from like our season one conversation, yeah. which is I just sort of thought back to it and then thought about what are characters or story moments or things that happen that I feel like will add some layers to, you know, what is happening in Ahsoka. Okay. All right. So for me, it's kind of the same thing uh, with what I said for season one, which is I'm not including the obvious things that are going to be in there. So like, even though we didn't see Zeb in the trailer, one of mine is not Zeb will be in the show. Like Zeb is going to be in the show at some point. Um, or they'll fly in the ghost. It's not going to be simple, basic things mm, like that. Bold. I know, right? Look at me. Um, and one thing I did exclusively keep off of my list was the Pergil because we see the Pergil so directly in the, the trailer. Um, so in season two, we get the Pergil for the first time. We kind of all knew that it was coming in some way, shape, or form, but they really just put it right out in front of us uh, at this most recent trailer. So that is not on my list. Um, so with that in mind, again, there's no order to this. It can be anything. And I'm going to go ahead and start because I do want to bring in something that 
is in the trailer, and that is the Inquisitor that we see. Okay. Because I am surmising that we are going to see Malachor and the Eighth Brother in Ahsoka. So if you remember, in Twilight of the Apprentice, the Eighth Brother is the third uh, Inquisitor that we get for the season. We have the two main ones, and then they get to Malachor, and this uh, Eighth Brother is hunting a shadow, which is, of course, ends up being Maul. Um, So I'm cheating a little bit on this one, um, but I think... Because both of these are like in the same episode, I think they kind of go together. So I'm counting it as one. So as far as the eighth brother, I'm thinking that the Inquisitor we've seen in the trailer is the eighth brother. The helmet's very similar um, in terms of the face mask. There's a few stylistic differences, but that could be kind of explained away over you know the years and wear and tear on the helmet. And in Twilight of the Apprentice, we don't actually see him die like we do the other Inquisitors. Like, we see uh, both of them killed and and left for dead. We see him, he flies away on a broken helicopter saber and falls to the surface of the planet. So, to me, we've literally seen two characters, at the very least, fall to much worse fates and survive. (laughs) So, I don't think it's too big of a stretch to think that that's there. And I think that this would add an added level of motivation for this character to be hunting Ahsoka in this specific time period where the Sith are are essentially gone and Ahsoka is still removed from the Order because that revenge could be that motivation. So what do you guys think about the first half of my number three, which is the eighth brother? Think it's possible? I'm trying to think because I, I, I will not go into specifics for anyone who may be, you know, like wanting things revealed to them in the show. But evidently the YouTube description does give a name for the Inquisitor. Oh, people yes. have pointed this on Twitter. I will not mention it because, again, like if people if there are people out there who don't want to, you know, go into the weeds that much, you know, you can go onto Twitter and find someone who has posted about that. It, it Now, granted, that gives a name as opposed to a the blankth brother or sister mm-hmm. a designation so, yeah yeah it does not give an inquisitor designation it gives a proper name so like that in and of itself doesn't invalidate the possibility that that name that is given is the name of the eighth brother heretofore not revealed right. so i suppose it is possible taste. and you are right that there are some aesthetic similarities between like their designs yeah, just I watched Twilight of the Apprentice on the same day the trailer came out, and I was just like watching, and I'm like, I feel like I've seen this Inquisitor somewhere before. Sorry, Drew, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. Um, do we know how Maul came to be on that planet, and for how long he was there before encountering Ezra? And the we know, we do not. Okay, so the the I was wondering what is the likelihood of somebody actually. I mean, I know applying too many physics and, and logics about people dying in Star Wars is kind of a futile exercise to begin with, but how realistic is it for somebody to be down there for... Rebels takes place, what, like a year or two before the Battle of Yavin, I think, at that point? Uh, and it's been... Five years s- before, I think. Start five? That long? Yeah, it's a, it's a while before. Oh, okay. Um, or at least uh, season so one about, is... It's been 20 years or so. Yeah. Well... Maul does say I've been down here for years, but yeah, again, but he says like, a lot of things. Like yeah, <laughs> he says a lot of things. Poor, and Maul. he also has experience of surviving in a desolate garbage place. So there's he that got cool desolate. spider legs out of that deal. So I wonder he, this guy if he oh, survived all the way down there. I'm just saying, we could get a a comic where he has you know spider legs and and a stinging thing on the end like a wasp like the scorpion yeah like the scorpion oh i like that i like that'd it. that'd be cool uh speaking of of malachor though that's the the second part of mine because i think that the planet um mm-hmm. where we see balin and shin and morgan elsbeth kind of activate the thing that looks like the world between worlds when you look at that background like to me it clearly looks like they're mm-hmm. on a planet which the world between worlds is not so I think that this planet could be Malachor because Malachor is a Sith planet that's strong with the Force. So it might be a place 
where these three could go to more easily access the world between worlds and maybe find the eighth brother uh, there. That could be an aspect of it. But uh, that's is what, my first thing. Is one of those th- those characters, and I can't remember because it's been a while since I've watched season two of Mandalorian, is one of those characters the ones that, that Mando fights uh, in the same episode where Ahsoka shows up? Is it the um, same? Yeah, Morgan general? Elsbeth fights Ahsoka, not Mando. Uh, not Mando. Oh, okay. Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, but it's the same character from that, right? It is the same character. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. So It'll be interesting to see how she's kind of roped back into it because she was. Uh, I thought the general idea of that episode. And this was a, kind of one of the things I was confused about. Was, and again, having should have gone back and rewatched that entire episode would have been hard to do this week. She didn't really want to have anything to do with the Empire. She was perfectly happy being her own little warlord in that corner of the galaxy. But now, for uh, some reason, she's kind of back in... Not necessarily back in the fold, but clearly she's in league with other people now. In league with other people, for sure. To me, Ahsoka made it pretty clear that that she knows Thrawn is controlling Elsbeth. So I wouldn't go as far to say she was perfectly comfortable just doing her thing on that okay. planet. I think she was a part of a bigger plan that Thrawn is selling to, you know, become the heir to the Empire, as he's called. <laughs> and so, um, as if that's Man. not a loaded term. I uh, just, so you I know, think, you I think there's a, a bigger chance to rewrite that line and you stuck with it for that long. It's like, okay, sure One, thing, guys. Hey, once you double down, you can't pull the chips back. There are I suppose there. not. <laughs> All right, uh, Devor, I'll let you do, uh, what's the first thing on your list? So the first thing that I'm going to go to is, this is, again, this is sort of less something that I, you know, fairly confident about is going to be sort of contextual information, but this is more like sort of a, more like in kind of your, uh, uh, your corner, Brandon, a sort of prediction about what I think may or may happen in the show which is it's going to the episode the old commanders where we are reintroduced to captain rex don't you dare steal one of my ideas one of my <laughs> few ideas for tonight i i think you know this is again based on nothing that i've seen or read or anything i, I feel like the possibility of rex is not a shoo-in but i think it is the odds are very good that we will see one Tamara Morrison in this show as Captain Rex. It would be almost oh, yeah. weirder if he didn't show up, <laughs> given the very mm-hmm. long relationship that he has with Ahsoka. I mean, if he didn't, you could write it off to like, well, it's, you know, what is it, like four or five years post-Return of the Jedi, clones age faster. So you could say maybe he's just, you know, just completely out of commission by that point if he didn't. But I think that the odds are better that we are going to see Rex again and that we will pick up on that relationship in the show. Well, and we were supposed to have Tamar Morrison in Mando season three, but then he just oh. never got the call is, is the story that's out there. So I'm almost wondering if they held off on including him in Mando because they knew they were going to include him as Rex in Ahsoka and, and maybe they weren't sure how things would line up or something along that line. So that's a conspiracy theory kind of thing I'm thinking, but I think you're, you're onto something Devor of, of it would make a lot of sense for Rex to be in there. And also, I mean, this is like, this is a, you know, a point that is apropos of nothing because it could be completely unrelated, but not that long ago at this time that we're recording, at least a few weeks back, uh, the, the mobile game galaxy of heroes dropped, a Captain Rex Rebels version that is styled after Tamara Morrison. So it sort of looks yes. live action. Again, that could be completely unrelated. Like the game <laughs> could just be doing its own thing and there's no connection. But it's like, well, here you have a Rex that is live action accurate in this game. And you it's know, like, who knows? Yeah, it's like almost like, how did you get that? You know, it's, it really like, I've seen it once or twice and it just looks like they just use one of those AI apps that cartoonizes you, you know, and it's like, make me a, a live action Rex. And there it is. on, on the game. <laughs> I kind of feel like it's, it's more of like the old mentor. She goes back for, to for advice at some point. Like maybe she's concerned about joining forces with a more 
formalized military operation like the New Republic. We get shots of the of of what looks like a space fleet. Um, just kind of the rear engine views of, of a good dozen or so different cruisers, which was pretty exciting to see some new models there. But I, I, Ahsoka doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would at that stage in her life be willing to join ranks and take up formal command of anything again. I feel like that's that part of her is no long. She's not interested in doing that anymore. So I, but I can still see her, finding value in Rex's wisdom and in his counsel and, and Devor, like you were saying with the, the way that they rapidly age, he, you know, it'd be kind of neat. He's sitting in the chair, this grizzled old man, kind of that, uh, Top Gun Maverick scene where they mm, go back yeah. and the old Admiral. It's, and then she goes to him for one last piece of advice and they have a, a meaningful conversation. Like this is the last time you're going to see me or something like that. So I, I can kind of see it being that, that device in the storytelling, uh, through the show, I wouldn't really expect him to be in every single episode. That would be surprising, although certainly a welcome addition. I think he's great fun to watch, and I think he really likes uh, playing these roles, so that'd be a lot of fun. He, he would certainly bring a, a level of life to the show that there's no easy way to say that while Rosario Dawson's a great actress, the trailer doesn't show her doing a lot, I think. There's a lot of stoic shots over the shoulder, and I was trying to count the number of times you actually witness her speaking on screen as opposed to hearing her voice while seeing the back of her head, which is not the same thing as the character speaking in the context of that scene, and it's not a high number. So I just worry about the actual kind of, man, here's kind of the problem. Dave Filoni is all about the vibes in his show. Mm-hmm. He's all about the mm-hmm. moments and the feelings and the emotions, and I want you to feel things, but not always super solid there in the tale that he's trying to tell. It's kind of how I feel about Rebels in general. <laughs> okay, I don't know if I agree with that, but I I can see what you're getting. I, at. I mean, just it, the, going back and especially when rewatching, it's kind of the one another note I had for tonight is that. Um, watching twilight of the apprentice as the show ends as like the season two or the episode two part is is concluding it's very much like you know when the the gang is finally realizing that things went wrong and ahsoka's not coming home with them and it's just kind of the musical montage of everybody absorbing those that news reminded me so strongly of the section in bad batch during the destruction of camino where it's like this time you've you know these characters grew up here this is basically their home but the way which those two sequences feel so very different even though they're using the same tools to convey the same message like the rebels instance we know ahsoka we have an established connection with that character because we've been alongside her for what 10 years at that point let's say um and so the characters have the same kind of relationship that the audience has so we can feel the same kind of emotional impact that they are feeling Bad Batch, the destruction of Camino. We, as an audience, really only know that places. This is where the clones grew up, and then they go out and they, they they do army things, right? And the show wants us to believe that this is a momentous occasion in the in the lives of these characters. But we really just don't have the emotional investment in order to make that solid connection. So carrying that same lesson into Ahsoka, I can imagine a situation where we have an impactful moment that is supposed to mean more than, and it's kind of a coin flip at that point, because if it's something that we have an attachment with, like, look, God forbid, Hera dies in a tragic accident, right? And we get that slow montage of everybody feeling. You shut mouth. <laughs> um, that would be one thing. Like, that, we, we would kind of feel that in such a way that would warrant that slow motion, high frame rate death moment, you know, that, that uh, where, where the entire fellowship gets to mourn the death of Gandalf for a moment kind of thing. But if it's something that we're not familiar with, like a new planet, a new character, a new thing that gets suddenly taken away from the gang, it's like, okay, we don't feel that as an audience, but the show is going to act like we do. And it just, that, that kind of thing starts, is starting to bother me. That funneling of your audience down into that moment, that emotionally dark moment, 
um, has not been handled super great every single time. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's a good moment. Sometimes it's not. And I just, I worry that the trailer gives me the vibe of like, where everybody's going to be super serial this time around. Um, and I just, uh, Rex would be a good way to liven that up. Yeah, I, I can definitely see what you're saying about like certain people having attachments to moments. And I think that th- this is a danger that the Ahsoka show has. Like anything you do for Ahsoka, with Ahsoka, with Hera, with these characters is going to have a big impact on me. Like me right. personally, is right. that going to have, is the, whatever happens to Hera going to have the same impact on you, Drew, who is not as attached to the character? No. And so, <laughs> you know, it, it's going to take a lot to get you to the level that I'm going to be at. Right. And but at least I, I can, I can respect that in like, I understand how like you and your connection with Ahsoka, I understand there's time built up. And, and I can understand the emotional connection. Same thing like with Leia in Last Jedi. We, we understand who that character is and, and what that, you know, her, um, what we were afraid was her on-screen death at the beginning of that movie. And we can understand kind of that emotional moment because we all have a relative level of shared experience with the character. So yeah, if something were to happen to Ahsoka or Hera, I would be like, ah, oh, that's that's sad and tragic. If they touch my boy Chopper, we run <laughs> in the streets. If, if um, the name of the ship, what's what's the little ship one that comes off the, the big ship? The Phantom. The Phantom. The, the, is the Phantom's the big, the small one? The Ghost is the big one. Yeah. Yes. If the Ghost were to explode, that would be sad. If the Phantom were to explode, that would not be sad. Do you understand? Does that make sense? No, I understand like, what you're saying. That delineation. I think- mm-hmm. Yeah. It, no, a hundred percent. I think the the difference with the point I'm trying to make is you haven't watched Clone Wars. Have you watched Clone Wars all the way through at all? Well, I've definitely started it, seen a lot in the middle, and ended it. Does that count? Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> so you've seen it probably I, I had, once. I, I, I did the abridged version where, like, half of season five, I was like, no, I'm not. There's like little 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 padawans and and stuff, and I was like, no, I don't care. Okay. Well, I have watched Clone Wars through probably five times at this point. And so I have time. No, no, no. (laughs) I have time spent on Kamino, right? In those Clone Wars episodes. And so for me, I have spent a lot of time on Kamino. So that moment in Bad Batch hits. And that's the point I'm trying to get at is I think one thing that could be easily forgotten that needs to be taken into consideration with a neat show like Ahsoka is the experiences that people have with these characters. You have to reach the people like Devore and I who have watched Rebels six times and you have to also reach the people who have never watched Rebels or saw part of season one or whatever. Like you have to figure out that balance. So anyways, that kind of got us off track. I did want to say about Rex, like I think the, an easy fit in for Rex based on just what we have is with that meeting Hera has with the, the new Republic where she's saying, you know, try to help me prevent another war. Yeah. Rex yeah. could be there mm-hmm. just kind of given a, that's you know, a good point. You, yeah. You got to do what you got to do. Like I have to help build the new Republic. This is where I'm supposed to be. You guys go do this. Cause you're right. Kind of a rogue one thing of like, how many do we need? Uh, could be a good good moment there. Well, so, even like in Rise of Skywalker, well, the the book that came out just before it, what is it, Resistance Reborn? They yeah. go and gather up a bunch of the old generals, like General Riken. Mm-hmm. They call up uh, the hero of the Rebellion, Wedge Antilles, and say, "Can you come train our fighter pilots for one last round?" So that that's a good possibility. Zay Miko, shout that. out, yeah. Uh, or you know, Prune Face, who has got yep. legions of fans, I guess. I guess. Uh, <laughs> Depends on what you mean by legions, but <laughs> Drew was Rex was Rex on your list too because it kind of sounded like it was. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, I I definitely because season two I think was the first time that they they brought back the clones. Um, yeah, and so it, it would only stand to reason um, we can't get away from these bloody characters. It seems um, they get their own shows and then two more seasons of the Bad Batch and and. There's no reason not to. I mean, to have them in live action would be a pretty amazing thing. Um, I, th- I would be a fan of it. I know I've been in, a little cold on the clones and their uh, adventures recently, but uh, I, I think that would be different. I mean, it, it, for some reason, and I don't know if it's just the difference between the animation characters and the live action actor behind things that makes it feel so different, but it really is different that 
you know, Tamora Morrison comes back to play one particular role versus uh, what's the guy's name? D. Bradley Baker comes and does seven characters for a show for two years. All right, so I'll circle to my number two, which is actually a theme that I think was present through a lot of uh, season two of Rebels, and that's confronting one's fear. Um, I think Mm. this gets a really nice focus across all of Star Wars, but particularly in this season of Rebels because you have Kanan confronting his fears of his shortcomings as a master and the path that Ezra is eventually going to follow. You have Rex facing his fears of getting back in the fight. Kanan, going back to Kanan, having to overcome those fears of uh, and, and the trauma associated with clones. Sabine has to face her fear of loss and the limits of her abilities to protect this family that she loves and her uh, struggles with that. So you have all of these examples, and I believe that it just makes sense to have this particular theme uh, present in Ahsoka because in the trailer... To me, it makes it clear that Sabine and Ahsoka don't have this perfect relationship. There's definitely some problems there. And at some point, Ahsoka walked away from Sabine, even though we don't know know why. Uh, So since we know Ahsoka didn't train Grogu because of her fear of his attachment to Din, she could have had a similar concern about Sabine's attachments and motivations causing her to walk away. Then when you look at Sabine... I could see her being afraid of herself. She's going to be fighting this big fight against characters that will have force abilities and no inhibitions or limits on how far they're willing to go. And she's not going to have those same powers nor those same uh, inhibitions. So I think she's once again going to have to face her fears of her shortcomings and overcome that. And when we see Sabine and Ahsoka reunite... I can see them helping each other overcome their fears because they're so linked with each other. And Sabine can help Ahsoka by showing a renewed faith in Ahsoka and forgiving Ahsoka for whatever the mistakes were. And likewise, Ahsoka can help Sabine overcome her fears of inability and inadequacy by showing her how to build on the strengths that she has, which is kind of something that Kanan... um, starts to teach her in season three of rebels, which we'll talk about next time. But, uh, I just think of all the seasons that we get with the rebels, uh, you know, season three is a lot about, you know, the pull to the dark side, but before you can get to that pull to the dark side, you have to have fear, which I think is present with every character throughout season two. And with this new fight starting with the empire or excuse me, with the, uh, the, the renewed empire, I, I think it just makes sense to have this in here as something they have to overcome to reunite that bond. And I think it gives you an avenue, that fear gives you an avenue to do flashbacks, to do exposition and storytelling, and uh, even give you little moments you know, that make you question and keep going forward in the story. So for me, I think it's something we'll probably get in the first few episodes of the series, but I think fear is going to be a big theme that we talk about. Hmm. Yeah, I'll tag into that because my next one was about whether or not there, how much there would be conf- confronting their own failures as well. Um, one of the things that stuck out again during that Twilight of Apprentice was uh, set is that Ahsoka is kind of allows Maul to take Ezra up the obelisk. And Kanan is concerned. He says, this is not a good idea or something like that. And she says, I trust him because you trained him basically. And then when they get to the top, then it all starts to fall apart. So I wondered if there was ever any kind of like realization or kind of acceptance of the moment that said, I should have stepped in more to help protect Ezra and kind of keep him uh, away from the bad actors of the dark side when I knew better. I mean, the history that Maul and Ahsoka have at that point in the series is pretty dramatic especially when we know what happens um, during the final season of Clone Wars and their last fight up, up above the on the Star Destroyer before it crashes. And it's just kind of, how could she possibly have let him go, a young, impressionable Force user like that, you know, out of their sight with one of the most dangerous individuals in the galaxy? And I just kind of wonder if, like, 
I know we've had a lot of lessons of failure and how that's kind of the legacy of the masters passing on to their apprentices. If she'll have a chance to kind of wrestle with that herself, like maybe she's feel like she missed out on, on training opportunities with Ezra and maybe she starts to regret not being able to train Grogu. Maybe she wishes she could do more with Luke at a time. I don't, not really sure, but I was kind of hoping that that would be something that, that comes back up. Wow. I honestly hadn't thought about it through that lens of, Maybe she takes this failure she feels with Ezra and she uses that in some way in her relationship with Sabine. Maybe she starts to see her own failures and that's what caused her to walk away or she... Well, and, and, and she has this habit of walking away from things too. Not with all for bad reasons or anything like that, no, but she, know, she leaves right. a Jedi Order. Um, she, uh, at some point, for some reason, walks away from Sabine. She walked out on Grogu. She walked out on Mando. She walked out on Luke. So she definitely has this thing, like this. there's a concern or a fear or something that says, I can't stand in one place for too long. And well, I, I think that's, that's how she bit- was raised. I mean, look at the Clone Wars. You don't stay in one place too long. You solve right, the problem right in front of you and you ignore the consequences of everything else. Right, and it's about time I think she she gets to wrestle with that issue mm-hmm. because she, oh, yeah. during the Clone Wars she's sent places. It's different when you're sent places versus I'm choosing to leave places. Right. Like she's chasing a ghost at this point and I don't we don't know if anyone believes her. We don't know if she's got the support of anyone in the New Republic. Does Hera even believe her that Thrawn is out there? Is there if if the Republic doesn't see any evidence of it out there, then she's the only one chasing this figure down. And so at a certain point, does she not stop and say, I can't do this by myself? You know, obviously there's something to that because she's asking Hera for help. Hera says, you know who could help? The one person you left behind on this one planet a couple years ago. So I don't know. what And... You guys are the Rebels expert out of the three of us, the two of you. I'm going to put you guys in the same kind of level because you've actually watched it a whole lot more than I have. Was there any indication of Sabine's Force sensitivity that I was supposed to pick up somewhere? No. What's she doing with that green lightsaber then? I mean, Trials, I mean, we'll get to this when we talk about season three. Trials kind of like flirts on the edges of like, that that is a possibility, but there is no confirmation at any point in the show. Mm-hmm. She has the lightsaber because Ezra leaves it to her in the finale. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's so, his lightsaber. That's his yes. lightsaber. And I think Ahsoka will have trained Sabine as a warrior, not as a Jedi. Because in the first trailer, um, the kind of teaser one where it says it, it has Ahsoka and then it flashes words. It says warrior outcast Jedi. And it's the warrior one is first, uh, if I remember correctly. And so I think that that was put there intentionally to kind of set the stage and put in people's minds of her as this warrior outside of being a Jedi. Cause Jedi is already included in that. So why include warrior? Well, she trained Sabine as a warrior, mm. uh, in, in, in the same kind of way. Stretchy. But it's the same, to me, that's the same thing that Kanan does with Sabine. He's not training her with the Darksaber because he, he's going to take her as an apprentice or anything like that. Like, you can train in sword fighting and, and lightsaber dueling, even if you're not a Jedi. You, like, you don't have to have force sensitivity to wield one of those, you know? Like, she's, and, and I think that training, and we'll get to this more next time. But we see her on the ground, and uh, Shin Hati is going after her, saying, you don't have power. Uh, I imagine there's going to be some kind of fight there that Sabine loses by trying to be like a Jedi. And it's when she embraces herself as a Mandalorian that she is able to overcome and or learn the lesson or whatever that whatever point a to point b is at that moment for her because that's similar to what we get in trials of the dark saber she has to learn to use the mandalorian part of herself to go along with it i'd much rather her just go to mandalore and meet the gang yeah i mean that would be so much fun (laughs) if she lives through this i feel like we've got to have her in season four of mandalorian but that's a whole nother conversation so Devor, I'm going to send it to you and your second thing. 
So my second thing, both my second and third things are different parts from the same episode, which is the episode Shroud of Darkness, when they return to the Lothal Temple. And so my first moment from that, in the season one episode that we did the last time, I talked about the first conversation that Ezra and Yoda have in the temple. For this one, I'm going to talk about the second conversation that Yoda and Ezra have in the temple, because this is where we get... (laughs) Because this is where we get the how we choose to fight conversation. And this is, of course, one of the central ideas in Rebels or one of the main morals about that. It is not the question is not merely do you fight or not against the Empire, but it's how do you do it? And this is something that the show revisits time and again through different characters. And I think that you know given that the ahsoka show is coming off of this legacy of rebels i think that there are very good chances that the show itself once it is getting into you know this prospect of the return of thrawn and a resurgent empire i think this question once again of how do we choose to fight i think will naturally resurface again and it is something that these characters will have to confront. So yeah, I think for that reason, I go back to that as a potentially an important moment for the Ahsoka show. That's a one of the best moments in the series. And I think yeah. it, I mean, it fits in perfectly because they're having to pick up a new fight. Like that's the thing. Like this is a continuation of Rebels and Thrawn was a, you know, one of the villains in Rebels, of course. But that chapter kind of closed and they thought that fight was done. And while this is the same person, this is a new fight because he's building a new thing, right? He, he, he's not supporting the empire anymore. He's, he's actually building something that he is going to lead. And so it's a different fight and you have to have similar, but different motivations behind it. It's a different time period in their lives. They've gone through different things. So, It'll be really interesting because, you know, we've got this Mandalorian, we've got this Jedi, both who have different histories, but also cultures with different aspects uh, and ideologies as it surrounds fighting and what we fight for and why we fight. And so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of find that balance because there's obviously, I just keep going back to this, there's this tension between Sabine and Ahsoka that I never expected us to really have. I expected it to just pick up and you know they're the best of friends and it looks like there's going to be some clash that they've gone through that is going to bring this idea of of what are we picking up the sword for you know what are we what's the reason behind this are we doing this because it's the right thing are we doing it because we're holding a grudge against thrawn are we doing this for ourselves like what's the reason behind what we're doing and it's never a clean answer and I think that's what makes these characters that we spent so much time with so compelling is they have all of these different factors that we're going to have to consider as they continue on this new fight. Hmm. Uh, so, DeVore, you said you had another thing from Shroud of Darkness. Do you want to go ahead and talk about that now since you're already on the, the episode? Yeah, yeah. This, this is my number three moment, which is... Pretty much the whole sequence there where both Ahsoka is talking about Anakin when they're viewing the little training, you know, montage or whatever there is, like his little like lightsaber combat video hollow thing. And she's kind of talking about what kind of mastery was. And then also when she is later on, when she is meditating in the temple and she has the visions about and she like she hears the voice of Anakin saying like how could you leave me you know what I become and she sees the shadow of Vader behind mm. her you know I, I I think that is at the moment you know we've already talked about the Ahsoka trailer and the Anakin name drops in there I think right now that is the big missing chunk in the story because it it was one of the things that kind of like like unsettled me from her appearance in Book of Boba Fett you know as much as I enjoyed her being there and getting to actually see her and Luke being together, you know, and knowing that, okay, these two characters have crossed paths in this post-Return of the Jedi period. You know, having her there, you know, with Luke, and then she has that line about, like, so much like your father, like, was, to me, watching was a little jarring because, like, chronologically, the last time we saw Ahsoka and Anakin together was him as Vader trying to kill her. Yeah. It was weird to go from that to be like, you know, you're so much like your father. It almost sounds like borderline, like a backhanded compliment, you know? 
And so it's like there, there's the missing gap of there. Like, okay, there has to be some sort of for her, some sort of reconciliation, some sort of coming to peace with her time with Anakin, with what happened to Anakin, with Anakin's return to the light and all of that stuff to get to that point where she is able to bring him up in that moment in this kind of peace, you know, and not, you know, not alone to, oh, like, oh yeah, you know, when your dad tried to kill me, you remember that, good times. Um, so yeah, <laughs> so, so that, that's why I, I come back to that moment where she's clearly in that moment kind of, you know, we were already talking about early in this episode of Ahsoka and these characters kind of wrestling with inner demons and things from their past. Like that is a moment where you see her really struggling with, walking away from Anakin and leaving the order. And then ultimately it sort of her struggle with, you know, I think there's a whole question sort of about throughout the course of the season, like when does she know that Anakin is Vader or like, at least when does she get the suspicion? I think, I think she doesn't definitively know until the mask is cracked in twilight of the apprentice. Right. But there are definitely moments earlier where she has a suspicion and she does not tell the ghost crew I think early on that she kind of hints on more than she is really giving away. And she even and says she, like, I thought I knew who you were under that mask. Yeah. Because she sort of gets to a moment like in particularly with this, you know, with, with that vision that she has where she's like, Oh, okay. Anakin has become Vader. Then she confronts him on Malachi. It's like, no, like there's no way you're Anakin. Like there's no way my master could become someone like you. And there's like, Oh shoot. He did once the mask is broken. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And that's, this is the, the top thing on my list, um, or the last thing on my list, because in the Jedi, when Ahsoka refuses to train Grogu, it's because of his fear of losing that father figure. And she says that she's seen that attachment before and what it can do to the best of us. But like you said, then we get to Book of Boba Fett, and she seems like at peace with Luke just training Grogu and she calls him says like he's like his father so it's really there's got to be like you said there's got to be something in between there and while we have the world between worlds episode the last thing we see Ahsoka say to Anakin is I won't leave you not this time that is her reestablishing that commitment to her master and her best friend and I don't think Ahsoka could find that peace if she didn't reconcile with Anakin in some way, and if she didn't know about his redemption, not just through the lens of Luke telling her the story, which I'm sure he did, but from actually experiencing it and interacting with Force Ghost Anakin. And and I, I think there should be limits on, I don't think Force Ghost should just be able to pop up whenever they need to in a story. I think they need to be handled very carefully. Otherwise, we're just like, we're in Hogwarts and there's just ghosts walking around and that <laughs> it right. loses, it loses a lot of meaning. Right. I'm with and you so that. that's a good point. Well, I've always had this idea that like the force manifests as these force goes for these people because of their connection to said person in their life. So I think, it would make sense that Force Ghost Anakin wouldn't be able to, you know, just pop up wherever, but because of his solid connection with Ahsoka, she would be able to to reach out to him. So, hmm. I don't know, that's, that's an interesting idea because we've got, you know, Rise of Skywalker where all the Jedi come and talk to Rey and she doesn't know any of them. Yes, but to me, that's not a Force Ghost, that's the Force speaking, which is different. Like, I don't think that that is... is different. I, I, I don't think that is those characters being Force Ghosts. Because we have, we have like, I think Adigalia's oh. in there. And there's a, there's a few Mace characters. Windu. Mace Windu, uh, who sucks, by the way. Um, <laughs> you... Oh, I thought we were, oh. we were going to make it the whole... I was going to say... I said that, and you were moving on. Listen... When you read a particular book that is coming out <laughs> on the 18th of July, oh, you will you will understand. Oh, stop. That's all I can stop say. Stop it. That's all I can say. No, I I don't think I, I I honestly don't think that those are force ghosts. I think that that is just the force showing Ray that you have this multitude behind you and hmm because to her does, they're just does, voices to us it's mace windu to her it's just voices well 
if you put all the subtitles on, then we can understand. Like in the moment of the theater, I think most of us are like, okay, I can pick out like two or three of these, but I don't remember what Adi Galia sounds like. I don't know. Right. It's, it raises an interesting question of the individual and personalized agency that you have after you die and are, I don't know, what do we say, absorbed into the force, return to the living force? I'm not sure what the, the euphemism is for 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 dying in this, for for a Jedi. You know, like we would say, like, oh, uh, they went to sleep. But I don't know. It's it's kind of like I, I, don't, I wouldn't, in my mind, be able to delineate a force ghost versus a force voice, I suppose. But even then... Obi-Wan and Yoda both appear as ghosts, and Ahsoka knows them very well. Ahsoka knew Yoda better than uh, Luke did. Yeah, but there's no, saying, there's no saying we won't see Ahsoka see Yoda. I mean... <gasps> I, okay, I'd be on board for that. <laughs> like, maybe it's a world-between-worlds situation, and we get Yoda and Obi-Wan. The whole Obi-Wan. conference table full yep. of dead Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, there's Kiyadi Kiyadi Mundi. There. He's asking about those droids on on, on Kashyyyk. Like, what about the Wookiees, man? How Wookies, did the two man? of you go to the same thing at the same time? Like, because General Grievous wasn't an option. <laughs> hey, you don't know that. You don't know how the Force works in mysterious ways. Nah, it's just the helmet of of Grievous. He goes more lightsabers for my collection. <laughs> That's he's chasing Sabine because Sabine has Ezra's lightsaber and he just wants one more. One more. That's it. He needs needs another green one to balance it out. Guys, why wasn't Grievous Force-sensitive? What a miss, right? Come on. It would have been pretty cool, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) Not going to lie. What's cooler than uh, four lightsabers? Four hands shooting Force lightning. (laughs) No. Now, hold on. What? He has droid parts. He wouldn't be able to shoot Force lightning. That's why Vader doesn't shoot Force lightning. He's got a droid hand. Oh. It would overload the circuits. Come on, science, it, Drew. It would come science. straight from his heart, you know? Use, <laughs> like a care bear, like a satanic <laughs> care bear. Oh my god, Grievous it's is like a the, care like, bear. Like, it's like the Iron Man chest, like Yes, like yes, exactly. Okay, exactly. now now it makes perfect sense. I got it. Okay. See, all you had to do was explain. All right, yeah. Drew. What else do you have on your list? I, I don't have anything else major on my list. I'm looking forward to kind of seeing the old Yang get back together again. Um, I'm hoping Chopper murders every droid he comes across and, and takes their bodies as trophies. That's really all I got. I mean, as it should be. That would only be in character. What if we just had like, uh, what if that scene where Harris talking to the new rebellion, they're like, uh, we can't have that droid in here. And they're like, <laughs> Why? He's Chopper's wanted. a <laughs> Yeah. Like <laughs> Chopper was a hero of the rebellion. Chopper is a war criminal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, good stuff. Uh, He's just so, an agent of chaos. He likes to watch the world burn. You know, some it's, it's like Rambo, like someone shows up like, I'm not here to protect you like like him from you, I'm protecting you from him. Like, you know, like <laughs> That's oh. awesome. What if Chopper's just like a Joker in the Dark Knight, and he's like, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. <laughs> just ahead of the curve. <laughs> oh, and then you get like Thrawn pops up as a hologram like he did with Saw Gerrera. Oh, it'd be great. Be good stuff. We'll have to wait and see, though. We will wait and see. We've got, I think, like 40 days at the time of recording, 42 days until Ahsoka. So, oh, wow, it's got to be. Oh, boy, I, I'm going to be unbearable for a solid seven weeks, guys. And <laughs> I am not sorry about it at all, because I've been waiting for this for a long, long time. So as you wait for us, go on the journey with us as we talk about in the next two episodes. We'll have season three and four, respectively, of Rebels and look mm-hmm. at what could key into Ahsoka. And then, of course, when Ahsoka hits, we will have coverage of that uh, on both this ep- this show and uh, Sith Talk, which Sith Talk will be talking about uh, the Ahsoka trailer and more as they continue on. We've also got a lot of good stuff coming with all of our other shows on the network. Mark and I are talking about some cool stuff with Forever Star Wars. It's just, you gotta stay nice. tuned. You gotta be subscribed to the network. Uh, you get all the shows in one feed and you'll be good to go. 
Uh, also, if you want to follow us on social, you can follow us at Clashing Sabers on pretty much everything. Uh, see some of the clips that I'm making from these podcast episodes on all of those social channels. And really just, you know, chat with us. Let us know what you're thinking. Share your thoughts on this episode. Share your thoughts with the posts that I post. Create posts of your own in our Facebook group and get people talking. That's what it's all about. So, gentlemen, Drew, if, if they want to follow you, where can they do that? You can find me on Twitter at the Drew Brett is the best place to find me there. And DeVore, of course, you've got your show. So tell them all about that. All right, yeah, so you can listen to A Larger View of the Force. You can follow me on Twitter at A Larger View Pod. You can also listen to the other Star Wars podcast that I co-host with my wife, the one and only Mike Dowell, that is called Space Swifties, a Star Wars and Taylor Swift podcast. <laughs> oh, Strong recommend so on that one. <laughs> larger View of the Force or Space Swifties? you got to be more specific, Drew. Yes. Okay, good, perfect. <laughs> um, and also, guys, hey, we are not just a podcast network and social media and pushing ourselves. We are pushing Star Wars literature uh, in our, our nonprofit. So if you want to join our Patreon and help uh, get more books into classrooms across the country, uh, we have uh, just got a teacher last night that uh, we're going to be sending a yes. whole bunch of books to. It's her first year. Nice. Shout out to Priscilla Wagner. It's her first year teaching sixth grade. So her students are going to get a whole bunch of Star Wars books to read this year. So if you know a teacher, uh, go over to our Clashing Sabers website and nominate a teacher. And if you want to support teachers, you can go over to our Patreon and, and look at that. So I think the one thing we forgot to mention um, that is, is probably more important than bringing Rex into Ahsoka is making sure that we have her good old friends, Batchy. Hi-ho. Hi-ho. I would really, like, I'd love to see Batch 8 in this. Like, what if what if Rex just, like, had a Batch 8 patch on his shoulder and no explanation? It was just an 8, and everybody saw, like, freaking out, like, what is that 8? And we were just here knowing it's Batch 8. We'll see. We got to see if Armitage Hux shows up for any strange reason on this one. Oh, God. So many, so many opportunities. I, I want that Shadow Council back. I just want to just watch those meetings. <laughs> Guys, I'm so excited about this show. I don't know if you know this, but I kind of am excited. We know you that you're excited. No, it's good. I hope it's good. I really want it to be good. I really, truly do. It's going to be great. All right. Bye, so. everybody. All Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of the Clashing Sabers Network and ClashingSabers.net. All licensed sounds and images are the property of their respective copyright holders and are used for informational and educational purposes only. For more information on our nonprofit or to nominate a teacher, go to ClashingSabers.net. For questions or inquiries, please email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. You're just going to walk away?